0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Raptor Queens podcast, the first ever all women podcast covering the Toronto Raptors, our favorite team in the NBA. So it is now week three with no NBA um, or since the NBA has been suspended and it has not been that much fun in the sports world. However, TSN and Sportsnet are replaying the Raptors championship run. And this past week, we got to rewatch the philadelphia series which was the eastern conference semifinals which went to seven games and as any raptors fan knows this was the series with the shot where kawhi leonard took the game-winning shot in game seven and broke the nation and it was the best thing that ever happened to any Raptors fan ever until the moment when the Raptors won the championship. So it was very exciting. It was actually quite a wonderful week. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be dissecting and recapping some of the series. And um, yeah, so that's where we're going to be starting today. We're also going to be doing a tribute to Pascal Siakam. It's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Pascal Siakam. I see key. ICB. and we got some other tea time that we're going to break down for you a little bit later in our podcast. So let's get started with our recap of the Philadelphia series. And we're actually going to just start at the end because we know how it ended and it was so fantastic. So I'm just going to ask each of you, where were you when the shot happened? Allison, go ahead.
1: So I, oh, true confession time. I had watched this game up until the Jimmy Butler make with, what was it, five seconds left. And I just couldn't watch anymore, so I went upstairs. So I didn't see it live. But I certainly heard the screaming, so it it was pretty obvious what had happened, and I ran downstairs, and then I ran outside and screamed my lungs out.
2: Wow, you were the pessimist.
0: I was, I was. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so you were like two invested to even watch you actually like when people tweet i can't watch you're the person who actually walks away
1: exactly exactly after how many years of futility watching the toronto maple Leafs, i've just become like inured to failure so i just yeah i couldn't i couldn't do it what about you guys
2: i was definitely at a bar uh downtown vancouver i think this is before sarah you and i started watching uh the playoff series together um yeah I just remember having to pee so badly that I was going to pee my pants and um also felt kind of deflated but it was I don't think I've ever cried that much in my life other than maybe from heartbreak but like that was one of the most epic kind of like tear drowning moments in my life I know
0: that Oh, that's awesome! Um I didn't cry. uh, I definitely screamed my face off. It was Mother's Day, so we were all at my family's house watching this, and I remember so we finished dinner before the game started, and then uh, my dad said, "I have a feeling this game's gonna go down to the last shot and ever the premonitioned one uh he was right it went down obviously to the last shot as we know and all of us were just like brace, brace, brace. and then we l- leaped into the air and maybe we just screamed too loudly because the tv cut out for five seconds after that <laughs> we didn't even see anything anyway that's that's where we were at the game seven epic moment Okay, so that was uh, that was the end of the series. Uh, let's, let's look at other parts of the series. So what were some of the key standout moments for you guys that really stand out for you? Obviously,
2: Game 7, nothing tops that. But I think what I sort of, looking back at that game, because I was watching it today as well, too, was just how incredible like how incredibly far like Siakam has come and in, in terms of his game improvement and I remember in that game he only got like nine points and he was averaging about 22 points and I felt that kind of frustration that I I think we've expressed in a couple of the um the pods episodes this regular season is that that sort of reluctance of him for him to shoot and I I kind of there was a couple of shots where even the commentators were saying like he's not taking the shot he's not taking the shot and um, yeah it's been interesting to see how much he's grown since that and just the confidence and also like I mean Kawhi playoff Kawhi like oh it just yeah it was just such a beautiful game and everyone was just like insanity like elimination games are where it's at I just felt um you know there was this one sort of there was a one play where Lowry just like knocks Embiid and like Embiid's such a big guy and you're just like holy crap like that just happened and when when Leonard missed that foul my heart was just racing and I was like it's over it's over Jimmy Butler was you know now I kind of see why SC has a crush on Jimmy Butler. Um and it makes sense. Like I think she probably developed it after the series because you know, the Butler did it. It makes sense. Like it was it was like a running three throughout this whole series, right? So So uh, yeah, I mean like that's game seven for me. And if we're gonna work backwards, I mean game six was the I hate Ben Simmons Club. I mean Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid were just killing it out there and I um yeah and I realized that like that um like yeah these guys are so big but we did it and it all just kind of it's I don't know if you guys feel this way but like I've been really thinking about like what matters in the world anymore and like that game seven was like one of those pivotal moments where it's like nothing else matters. Like the entire series didn't matter. We came back from three to three to one. And like, who does that? Who does that? We do that because we're the Raptors.
1: So, I mean, after game one and then came game two, and that was, that was really disheartening. That was kind of like a kick in the gut. You know, we kind of looked disjointed. Our offense was off and that airplane business with MB, that was just, that was infuriating. So I mean, game three, we played a little bit better and I think it was after that game that um, the adjustment was made to put Gasol um, out on the court with Embiid at all times, and things started to look a little bit better after that. And Embiid started missing shots, like from the perimeter that he was making in the in the regular season. So I think he went, if I'm not mistaken, to a from an average of 26 or 27 points a game during the regular season down to like 17 or 18 in the playoffs like Gasol shut him down. So um, things started to look a little bit better. I wanted to say that was game four. And then I very much relished uh, game five where uh, all the fans in Toronto and I think Drake were doing the airplane back to Embiid. That was like super rich yeah. um, the pettiness in me. I really enjoyed that. And then I just think game seven, I want to say that that was the best game of the NBA playoffs. Like, I mean, I know that we still had to get through Milwaukee, but just the intensity of that game. And I hate to use the word dogfight, but that was a dogfight. And that could easily stand alone as the best game of the playoffs, you know, Western conference finals, the semis, that was a great game. And You know, there was Kyle Lowry in that series taking charges on Joel Embiid. Like, how brave do you have to be to stand there in front of a, I don't know, 290-pound guy coming at you full speed? Like, it just speaks to his heart. And then just the way Kawhi could just pick his shots and impose his will. Like, I think it was clear he might have been hurting some, like, I think he had, like, maybe a knee strain at some point. And just the heart that he played with the other thing that struck me was kind of how bad Danny Green was like as well as he shot in the regular season his three-point shooting was was terrible in the playoffs. so yeah it was super fun re-watching the series
2: yeah I um I had forgotten about that drink uh antagonizing moment, like that moment with Embiid and do you guys remember those like really cute like We the North shirts that everybody was wearing in the in the audience as well too? I think they gave all the fans free shirts for that game the game number uh, that was game five I think. Um, but everyone like that is when I was like this is the brand like this is this is a championship team and I just felt so much pride being a Raptors fan and um, yeah I think that was the only game that Danny Green didn't really suck. And we saw glimpses of the future Norman Powell in Game 5 as well, too, I felt. And the uh, the, six, the 76ers, I remember being like, they all look like Peter Pan because they had that kind of, they were all wearing those tights under their shorts. And I it just, I don't know, i just, I just don't like Ben Simmons. So I just remember being like, he looks like Peter Pan out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't really like Ben Simmons either. But one of the things that really stood out to me in this series is um, how good Philadelphia was last year. Yeah. They and and they, I think, were actually better than the Raptors until the Raptors were better than them. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think they actually started out the series better. And mm-hmm. um, like between Jimmy ugh, Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick, there are times when I like they were just killing the Raptors and. Um, the response for the most part throughout the entire series was was and so when people say oh there's no way that the raptors could have won without Kawhi," i think this is the series in particular that they're talking about and then also like the first um maybe game three and four against the bucks as well um before the rest of the raptors in my opinion like really blossomed and like it became the full raptors team that we uh were used to seeing against golden state um but uh yeah like Philadelphia was so much better last year in my opinion
2: yeah Jimmy's Jimmy's jumpers were just like on point and even uh, yeah sorry I just every time you guys say something I'm just like oh yeah and that thing (laughs) um you know he was I think that game too I don't know if you guys recall but like that was a really fantastic game for Pascal like that's where his creativity was starting to come into play and that's like you know, led him to being the most improved player overall and uh, to the all-star that we have now. And it's just really cool to go back and watch these games and then see where we're at now, which I feel like if we weren't living in the time that we're living, we wouldn't have these like opportunities and the time to go back and, and, and do this kind of analysis. So I'm really grateful for that right now. It's to see, you know, where we were at and where we've come.
0: Yeah, definitely, and you can tune into our pod last week to hear more about um, the growth that we uh, that that we all see over the last year. Yeah, so uh, the, Mark Mark Gasol, I think that's another thing I wanted to just touch on briefly is is the coaching adjustments that were made over the course of of the series and um, what Nick Nurse had to put in place to be able to shut down. And like, how can you really shut down a team with these these players, Joel Embiid, um, Ben Simmons? I mean, I mean, what do you do? <laughs> Sorry, I just have to do a side tangent for a second. Um, a lot of the social distancing memes early on were like, oh, if you want to know how far six feet is, it's how far away you can. <laughs> ben Simmons when he's at the three-point line. <laughs> Those were good. Um, anyway, so yeah, how to guard Ben Simmons is just like, stand away from him when he's at the three-point line but um uh yeah just Nick Nurse made just so many good adjustments throughout the series to be able to take what was potentially a more talented team at the beginning and uh you know have his team shut them down but then also get better over the course of the series so that they could actually take the win.
1: Good observation and uh, sorry this is off this is on a tangent too but you guys uh, reminded me like Philly this year how much they miss JJ Redick like they just have no outside um, shot presence like no three-point presence to speak of so anyway
2: yeah also can we just comment on Drake's Paisley quilt shirt that he wore to game one (laughs) Um, okay anyways if anybody remembers that I don't know why I just randomly thought about that shirt because it was quite a loud loud shirt he was wearing to that game and definitely we needed to win that
0: first game <laughs> yeah um also I think that we it became obvious again in rewatching the game we're really used to seeing Serge have big games now because of this season and how many big games he's had but I mean just re-watching game seven and seeing the way that he stepped up, that was that was actually considered a step up then. Like we weren't used to seeing him hit the, the, the three over um, whoever was guarding him at the time and just being that clutch guy. Simmons. Simmons. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah, just, just to like see Serge blossom in that game was also really good. I think he was the second leading scorer of that game.
1: Yeah, he was huge in that game. So I guess, and we probably all noticed um, at the conclusion of the game after the shot, Embiid's reaction, and, you know, he was tearful and how generous Marcus Gasol was in victory to go over and kind of console him. So it kind of speaks to what a, a good sport Marcus Gasol is and just, you know, a good, genuine human being and kind of how, you know, um, Embiid's, like, airplane, like his antics, that kind of came back to bite him.
0: Yeah, Marcus All is definitely more generous than all of the Raptors fans who just reposted pictures of Embiid crying. Um, but I, I think that's one other thing that really strikes me about um, Embiid. And I think I think already there's been some growth from him this year. But I still think he's a little bit of an immature player, like to do that kind of thing where you're airplaning and then, or I think he was playing sick. Um, in the series and his body language was reflective that he was ill. And then I remember it was, um, who's that commentator that we all know? Leo, Leo Routens, just saying that that's the kind of thing that you, um, as, as a leader, you don't want to be bringing that kind of body language to your team. And so to me, that's like, like when I say, I don't like Philadelphia, um, the thing I'm talking about is that, there's, they still have, to me, a kind of like immaturity or sense of entitlement that I don't think is warranted yet. And I, I what I really respect about the, the Raptors organization and everything is the, the hard work and the humility that runs through everybody um, from the top down. And I just don't see that from some of the key players on the Philly team. And that's, for me, always been the reason why I'm not that much of a fan, at least for this yeah. generation of players
1: you nailed it, Sarah, like the Raptors, it's earned the, the respect, you know, they put in work to earn that. So I very much agree with you, like a little entitlement and a little, you know, Ben Simmons has been a prodigy, you know, his whole life. And, you know, all of a sudden, now you got to work and it's not always easy. So yeah, I agree. Good observation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's also like, there is a there's a culture right in in every every um franchise and i think what the Raptors have is this culture of you know alison you say this every time it's like we this is a team that has heart and i and there's that leadership of of masai and nick nurse and also you know just the players themselves like it, it really shines through and like when you think of Philly and you think of Philadelphia and you think You know some of the stereotypes around it. I think they sort of they sort of play into that stereotype of that culture and I mean it's yeah, humility is everything and at the end of the day, this is their job and You do have to work hard and I agree like it's a it was he and beat is he, like you said sir, he has grown but um there's a long way to go and our guys are just they have a lot of self-awareness and they have a lot of team awareness and they show up
0: yeah exactly um definitely to your point like it, it's a culture thing next week we'll uh, we'll touch on the bucks series which i have to admit was my favorite series despite this being my favorite game game seven is my favorite game of the playoffs, the Buck series is hands down my favorite series. Uh, so I can't wait to break that down with all of you next week. Um, and so let's move into the next segment then, which is our, we're, you know, we normally do the King of the King of the North segment, which is the Raptors player that has done, uh, you know, the best perform the best on the court. Um, this week, we decided to change it. We're going to play a different game. at Sonali's suggestion. So Sonali, why don't you introduce what we're doing right now?
2: So my suggestion had to do with um, who would be your king of the north in terms of who would be the one player that you would want to spend um, time with in quarantine or self-isolation? So who would be your self-isolation king?
0: I love it. Okay, Allison, you go first.
1: So I took that to mean anyone in the organization. So um, I'm gonna be quarantined with Masai Ujiri. I am going to learn how to be a better human being. I'm gonna be inspired to run through that brick wall. I'm gonna be inspired to be articulate and passionate and um, benevolent and philanthropic and kind and all of those wonderful things that Masai is as a leader. So he would be my choice.
0: Wow. I know I'm so moved by that.
1: (laughs) Well, one of my good friends is Nigerian. So I have like this super soft spot and she's probably listing in Houston, Texas. So hi Funke Hi Patrick. So um yeah, I and I'll have to tell you guys my my Sayujiri story, my my ten feet away from Masai one of these days. But anyway.
2: That should be the name of your autobiography or your memoir too.
0: That's a really beautiful answer. Um, If I didn't already have an answer, I would just, well, I kind of want to change mine to yours anyway. Uh, I'd like to tag along in your quarantine. Um, But the answer that I came up with is uh, for this week anyway, I would want to be quarantined with Pascal Siakam because it's his birthday. So we would have some kind of birthday celebration for sure. Um, And I would also just be so interested to like learn more about this up-and-coming superstar. Like, when everyone says that Pascal has no ceiling, I want to know, like, what is about him that has him have no ceiling? Um, and I also... Uh, apparently, there's a new uh, movie coming out about Pascal. Did you guys see this? There's No. It was just previewed today. Um, I saw it on Twitter. Uh, but they're putting out some kind of documentary about him. And just, like, the story about how he came to the NBA and um, the influence of, his, uh, influence of his family and then his father passing and how that has changed his life. I just feel like being around Pascal during this time, I just learn so much. And um, yeah, I I don't know. That would be, that'd be my pick.
2: Oh, that's Good great. Pick. And you get lots of spaghetti with eggs. Apparently that's like a Cameroonian like favorite dish. I read about him he had he'd posted some like interview uh for his birthday today and I think he was learning how to like refine some of his Cameroonian cooking which leads me to believe that he's not as um as talented as Mafuzi's chef over there.
0: <laughs> but, but spaghetti with eggs sounds a lot more manageable than some of the dishes that Serge has served on his show. So it's so true. Who would you pick Sonali?
2: So yeah, now I feel really bad because I think because I'm in self-isolation alone, I sort of have been doing all these like online quizzes around like love languages and things like that. And I realized that like my sort of needs are, I need to spend quality time with someone and I also need um, words of affirmation. And so Who better than the floor commander himself, Kyle Lowry? Um, I feel like Kyle Lowry would be the best person for me to be in isolation with because he would help me with my self-soothing because he is such a leader and he is a father. And I feel like he would have really good snacks, which is also a huge benefit. And 100%.
0: 100%. He would have amazing food at his
2: And he's, I think we're kind of similar, like, you know, even if we were bored, he'd like get on his phone, we'd talk to Debo, we'd call all the guys, like, it would just be like a nonstop party with Kyle, because that's, that's just, that's just how I imagine it. So that's what I want right now, is to like hang out with Kyle Lowry, and for him to call me his beloved, as he did to Pascal after the All-Star
0: Game. Uh, It's every Raptors fan's dream
2: great thoughts um i mean i don't know if you guys thought about surge but like i would be terrified to be in self-isolation with surge i feel like he would be like a drill sergeant like every morning you'd have to wake up at a certain time and you'd have to like be on a meal regimen and a workout plan and i think that's just too much for me right now
1: that's funny that's how i kind of see kyle like very driven very unyielding very regimented Yeah, I think he, I love the guy, but I would not want to be in quarantine with him.
2: Oh, it's funny. I I don't know. I just, I feel like quarantine Kyle is different than like. Maybe. Regular season playoff Kyle.
0: Oh, this is so funny. I like how we're just projecting a bunch of personalities onto the players and stuff. (laughs) All right. Well, coming back to my pick for uh, King of the North. It is Pascal Siakam's birthday, like we mentioned. And so in honor of Spicy P, we're all going to share some of our favorite Spicy P moments or things like in particular about him that we just want to say are awesome. So um, Allison, why don't you go ahead, and start us off.
1: So I did a list of my favorite Spicy P moments, and um, I got to say my my number one favorite was Game Six against Golden State, like the the championship winning game. Um, he like, you know, arrived as a superstar in this game. So, in my mind, um, so with um, eight seconds left, the Raptors were up 109, 108, and uh, Pascal in the paint against probably the most skilled defensive player in the league and probably the guy with the biggest mouth, Draymond Green. And he absolutely schooled Draymond Green and just took him, um, put him in the spin cycle and scored over him, like just an absolutely clutch basket. So that was like, I think my favorite Pascal moment. Um, And then just thinking back, um, just kind of Sarah, you've got me on the heartwarming, heartwarming mode. Um, the pictures of uh, Pascal and um, like Yak and Skills on their first vacation as a rookie, I think they went off to the Caribbean somewhere and just the two of them. And it was just such a nice story, like two immigrant kids and they were drafted together and they became best friends. It was just a really nice story, which made it you know, even sadder when when uh, Yakapurto got traded. Um, So the other thing was, um, Pascal being, um, the league, the G league MVP in 2017. So that was kind of low key, but you know, now I think that was probably a harbinger of like excellence to come. So he was like successful and he had exponential development and he was achieving at the G league level. And that absolutely translated to the NBA. So, I mean, speaking for myself, I I mean, maybe a lot of us don't have the time or the hours to devote to watching G League games, but maybe we should, um, because maybe we'd be seeing the future in some of these players. Like, you know, it should have been, we should have known when he was the G League MVP. Um, And then just to go back, um, game one versus Golden State, uh, Pascal, 32 points, eight rebounds, five assists, one steal two blocks he was just shining on like the biggest stage of his life there and hugely efficient um he was uh, 14 uh of 17 from the floor that's 82 percent. like that's that's remarkable so um and then my, my last note was that you know my other favorite moment was every fast break basket he's ever scored so i, I mean i love up-tempo basketball it's, um, you know, there's ingenuity, uh, there's creativity, and, and really it, some of the, the plays that are just audacious, like pinpoint passes. It's just, I love watching it. So, I mean, and you could really see this because before teams started planning for Pascal, like he would get out, he'd get behind the defense, and he would go up to get passes. Some of the passes were like he had to go up way high up to get them. And just, you know – he created art at, at the rim. So, I mean, those are, and we don't see that much from Pascal anymore because teams absolutely plan for him. He doesn't get those leak outs anymore like he used to, but I mean, there's so many good memories of Pascal, but those are kind of the ones that, that stand out for me.
0: All right. Uh, Those are awesome picks, Allison. I just have to jump right in on the fast break one my, my number one thing about Pascal is fast break. And I don't think there's any other player in the NBA that I would want to go on a fast break with. And his, his ability to finish at the speed that he's going, first of all, just blows my mind. His ability to get past defenses and get down the floor before any of them. I, like, I just don't know if there's a better player on the fast break in the NBA.
1: I, I don't think there is.
0: Yeah, he's amazing. So yeah, I love that that's what you said. I just am echoing it with everything I got. Um, Sonali, what are some of your favorite Pascal moments?
2: Oh, wow. First of all, happy 26th birthday to spicy P. Um Yeah, Alison, wow. I'm like super, like you've given me a lot to think about it, especially about investing time and watching the G League. But anyways, some of my favorite moments were, um, you know, that game before Valentine's Day um, in the 2018-2019 series where he got 44 points in that game against the Washington Wizards. And that was the game where, like, OG really shined as well, too. And that was, I think, one of the sort of prequels to what we're going to see in hopefully the years to come is this 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 team these these two like absolutely stunning like this duo of like what i'm hoping are going to be the most feared wing defensive duo in um nba history of um, og Ananobi and pascal siakam like that is my hope for them and um i just remember his like interview the next day which was on on valentine's day and i think it was him jeremy Lin, and uh ojan anobi and you know the humility and the way with which you know they were asking him okay you've got you got 44 points in this game like what an incredible performance by you and he And I think he just said, you know, I'm just doing my job. Like I'm giving it my all and I'm playing for bigger things. And I just fell in love with him in that moment. And he was wearing this ridiculous acid wash steam jacket. And I was like, wow, spicy pee. Like this is, this is going to be our next star. I just remember feeling that way about him. Um, And then, you know, I definitely, Alison, the Golden State games, game six was on my list as well, too. And uh, the All-Star game, I mean, you know, we didn't see, we didn't see a lot of highlights with him, but it was a huge success for him. He got 15 points and six rebounds in that game. And even seeing him in the, in the, he didn't win the contest, he didn't win the contest there, but like competing against like Pat Beverly and. Um, I think he beat him, and it was just—it was so much fun to watch him and to see the relationship between him and Kyle as a result of the All Star Weekend as well, too. Uh, and another moment, like kind of—I think because I'm in nostalgic mode, I'm sort of focusing on the 2018-2019 series. And I, do you guys remember that game where I think it was in January where they played the Phoenix Suns and? He got that left-handed finish. Like he only had ten points in that game, but it was because of him that they won that game against the Suns. And for some reason, that one was kind of high up in my list. I just, I, I just kind of did like a mental dump of like moments that I thought uh, about him. And there was another game that they played against Memphis, and where Kawhi was not. He he had missed two games in that regular season, I think, and. Um, Pascal was just—he was on it, like he was there. He was, yeah, yeah. So those are some of my favorite moments, other than like him dancing with the TikTok girls, and it's, I, I just remember seeing his like hands all over his face because he gets pretty shy. And I'm thinking, man, like I hope he's not like touching his face everywhere and like going shopping at Loblaws with Chris Boucher right now because that's not—that's not good. So lots of love for Pascal and lots of moments. And I'm sure many, many, many more to come for this young man. And what a delight it has and what an honor it is to have him on our favorite team. And, you know, I just wish him a long life, good health and no
0: ceiling. Oh, what a good wish. So one of my favorites, and I, I actually cannot remember who it was against, like which player, and I, th- I think it was against Detroit, but I can't even know for sure if it was against Detroit. But it was the end of the game, and it was an inbound pass from the other team. And what they did is they went, um, uh, so they set a screen for someone coming around the coming around the key, so that the so that this player could go up for the alley oop, and he like was in the air and caught the ball and was ready to dunk it. And then Siakam shows up and just blocks it like right at the end.
1: Sarah, it was Detroit. You're right. <laughs> I remember now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and then they lost that game, right? The Raptors? Yeah. I actually don't remember the outcome of the game. Yeah. They lost that game because that game, they went into overtime. I'm pretty sure I remember that now.
0: Oh, okay. Well, what I do remember is just like, oh, that was, that was the sound I made. So um, yeah, that was probably one of my favorite all-time moments. Um, And then I just can't even count the number of times when I've had moments of just watching him spin so quickly and the way that he's just able to get by people on his spin move. And sometimes he's not even one spin move in the same sequence. He'll do like two or three and just like basically do a ballroom dance around his defenders um, and go in for the bucket close to the close to the basket anyway uh that's what I love about this guy
2: yay and Sarah don't you have I think you, you own a Pascal Siakam jersey don't you that's
0: right I got one from. Yeah. happy birthday spicy um can't wait to see you play again so the next thing is we have a update on the legal case Against uh, that was launched against the Ujiri. Jury. So Allison, why don't you take that since we know how you feel about Masai?
1: Sure. So I happened to be at work today and I noticed that um, Masai was trending number one in Canada. So it's always a, a very nice thing to be a fan of a team where you know if someone's trending number one, it's always going to be positive. Not like uh, Jamal Murray or um, Kevin Durant so uh the toronto star was reporting today that um Masai's legal team um filed a response to the lawsuit by alan strickland and i guess uh, and i'll quote from the toronto star article um so alan strickland quote assaulted him forcefully shoving him back once then twice unquote and then um so the nba had a response because the nba and you you two lawyers know this way better than me. I guess the NBA was um, sued also by Mr. Strickland. And the NBA's response was, Strickland, and this is a quote, Strickland's injuries, if any, were caused by Strickland's own aggressive acts and reasonable and justified acts in self-defense resulting directly from the plaintiff's aggression, unquote. So, and then there was, this was back on March 15th, another update. So, um, and this was from the Toronto Star as well. There was a a Fox News affiliate in California who reported that Mr. Strickland was um, convicted of insurance fraud. So this seems like a pretty unsavory character all the way around. So um, pretty unsurprising, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably right. Um, Yeah, I mean, interesting, interesting chances being put forward by the NBA, like, um, hey, you're a security guard. This is the risk you assume. So were you going to say something?
2: No, I like Allison summarized it perfectly well. I think, yeah, this is a credibility is definitely a question here in terms of Mr. Strickland. So I. Yeah. I, I, I don't really want to say anything else because I think it's pretty obvious what what's going on here. So
0: yeah, I look forward to this case being yeah. against uh, against Masai. Um, okay, and also Allison, you reminded me of one other thing I wanted to want to mention um, when you mentioned KD. So there was a. a kind of mock Seinfeld episode being circulated about, um, what would be happening if this was a Seinfeld episode during the time of coronavirus. And there was one storyline that I just thought was really, really funny, which is that, um, well, Kramer hoards all of the hand sanitizer and then he, um, comes to Jerry. He's like, Oh yeah. Um, one of my clients, is um kevin durant he bought it from me and he gave me he gave me his shoes so he ends up with kevin durant shoes and uh jerry's like how did that happen he's like oh well some guy with a twitter account with um almost no followers but who follows a lot of people tweeted at me he dm'd me and said he wanted wanted some wanted some uh, hand sanitizer and it, so it turns out that it's katie's burner account which is funny if you know that kevin durant has a lot of burner accounts and then uh, it goes on to say that um, that then later uh, Jerry has sorry Kramer ends up with the coronavirus and it's unclear whether he gave it to KD or if KD gave it to Kramer anyway it was just a pretty funny NBA pop culture reference in the middle of a Seinfeld episode fake episode (laughs) oh (laughs) there's
2: so many fun memes and so many like the haters are still hating it, even in the time of Corona.
0: <laughs> that little um, Seinfeld Kevin Durant comment will suffice for our around the league segment this week, since there's really just not much going on obviously. Um, and so we will wrap up our episode based on that. So thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, definitely um, come back next week. SE Magic will be back with us. We will be covering um, the Milwaukee Bucks series, like I mentioned earlier. Um, and in the meantime, be sure to give us a five-star rating, share it with your friends, and follow us on Twitter, Buzzsprout, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram at Raptor Queens. And we look forward to seeing all of you next week. Go, Raptors, go. Woo!
1: We the north.